Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Formula One 2022 could have been Ferrari's triumphant return to the top. A Drivers' and Constructors' World Championship were in play. Three races in, Charles Leclerc was 46 points clear of eventual winner Max Verstappen. And more importantly, Ferrari looked like they had pace in their pocket at the start of the year. In Suzuka, just over a week ago, Verstappen's title was more of a coronation or a formality with a margin of 113 points over Leclerc. And in Austin this weekend, Red Bull could well clinch the team battle too. Ferrari weren't just bested, they were well beaten. With four races to go and no major rules change going into next year, today we ask, what next? For Ferrari, how much of a missed opportunity was this year? How far away are they at the minute from beating Red Bull? And what the drivers can take forward into next year? Let's get up to speed with Autosports' Luke Smith. Luke, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Martin. Pleasure as always to be on. So let's look at the F175 as it emerged in testing in the context of recent Ferrari history over the last few years. What did you make of it? 
I think the initial signs were very, very positive. I think everybody saw Ferrari coming out of the box pretty quick. We always expected a big upward swing from them, given just how bad 2020 in particular had been when their engine was obviously so far down on power. And they made a good step forward into 21, but we knew that the regulation change for 22, that was their big opportunity. That's what they put all their chips on to really try and make a big step forward. So yeah, when we saw through testing that Ferrari were looking pretty pretty strong, pretty comfortable, I must say, compared to what uh, Red Bull and Mercedes were doing. Mercedes in particular were struggling quite a bit. I think there was a definite sense of expectation that, yeah, Ferrari may well be back. They may well be really in the hunt this year for both championships once again. We knew they had two very, very good drivers who just needed the right car underneath them. And I think that, yeah, what we saw in testing and then obviously into the first race in Bahrain, that kind of proved the point that, yeah, Ferrari was definitely going to be a threat in this championship battle, or so we thought. So in the beginning, we had Ferrari leading the season. For the first time in years, no dominant Mercedes. At this stage of the year, how did Ferrari manage to take first blood? Well, the car, I think, weirdly, in what actually turns out being the weakness of Ferrari as we get later into the season, but reliability was what really got them the upper hand to begin with. We saw that in the opening three races, Red Bull really, really struggled with that. We saw them lose both their cars late on in the season opener in Bahrain. Red Bull, that opened the door for Ferrari to take a 1-2 finish. And then once again in Australia, then Ferrari, they were clearly quickest. Charles Leclerc was controlling that race. And then another fuel pump issue hit Max Verstappen and forced him to retire. Verstappen, as you said, was a long way adrift of Leclerc in the point standings by that time in the season. Even then, Max was saying, oh, it's going to take a lot to turn this championship around now. I'm 46 points behind or whatever it was. <laughs> and uh, now we are four races from the end of the season and it's all finished already. So it shows how quickly things can change. But the Ferrari car, it just looked like a very, very good all-rounder at that point. It was clearly very, very strong through the corners. I think that was a, a, a big, big thing. And I think that it looked like it really could go toe to toe with Red Bull. They looked very much sort of equal pegging but Ferrari actually seemed a bit more reliable at that time of the year and that would all turn around as the season wore on but I think that in the early part of the season it did really look like Ferrari and Red Bull were going to have this ding-dong battle right the way through back and forth to the end of the season because it was a really good start by Ferrari a lot of good confidence I think from the team even at Imola we were talking about do they need to get behind one driver or the other do they need to put all their money basically and everything behind the clerk if they're going to win this championship it all kind of faded to nothing in the end because here we are, four races for the end of the season and Ferrari not even close to winning that breakthrough championship. So as things began to change for the worse for Ferrari, what happened next in the season? And was it something sudden or was it a slow kind of drip, drip, drip of them losing performance? What, what happened next to bring Red Bull and, well, specifically Max Verstappen back into the title hunt? The performance definitely did start to move more Red Bull's way. And I think we didn't see that take a huge swing really until after the summer break. I think that's when you can really say Red Bull moved clear and definitely had the quickest car. But up till then, it was very, very even between the two teams. And I think if you look through the sequence of races, you look at uh, Imola, for example, Leclerc and Verstappen had that very close battle in the sprint race. Then the clerk made that really costly error 
come the race day and that cost him a surefire second place dropped him to sixth in the end Miami we saw the Red Bull were just a little bit quicker and able to defeat Ferrari and then comes the run of races where I think the season did seem like it fell apart for Ferrari the Spanish Grand Prix Charles Leclerc was leading pretty pretty comfortably I must say in the opening stages Verstappen had already gone off and made a mistake it looked like Leclerc was going to win that race and the engine failed he was forced to retire from the race then we get to Monaco again Ferrari in a good position Leclerc on pole position finally trying to break this home race hoodoo that's spliced right the way through his career and again they just get their strategy a little bit wrong Leclerc gets stuck with traffic ends up fourth Red Bull win the race with Sergio Perez Azerbaijan Leclerc again leading the engine fails again Max Verstappen wins. It all starts to add up. And I think that it was really a time when Ferrari, they they clearly did have the ability to win all of these races. Like you look at that run from Spain right the way through to Austria. And there's probably actually a case for the clerk and Ferrari winning right the way through that complete run. Like they were in contention all the way through. They had the pace to win. And in the end, they came away with not a single victory in that time period. Carlos Sainz won at Silverstone, obviously. Again, some questions about the strategy there. So it really was just a case of a mixture of Leclerc's mistakes plus poor reliability from Ferrari. And every single time, it was always Verstappen and Red Bull there to pick up the pieces, there to capitalise. And that's what really swung the championship around over that summer period. So it sounds like then the things that we've all read about even became a bit of a you know running joke, although not for Ferrari, about operationally how they fluffed their lines at times this year. But let's talk about the basic car concept where has the Ferrari been fast compared to its competitors? And do you think that over the next four races and and what Ferrari do next, they'll rethink their car concept or is it a case of refining the car concept? Fundamentally, it is a good car. I think we can't get away from that. It's clearly had the pace, obviously, to win races this season. It's got four wins. It probably should be maybe around double that. I don't know. But they are in a good spot with the car. But... I think the concerning thing for Ferrari is just how much of a step forward Red Bull has taken since the summer break. You look at, again, France and Hungary, the two races before the end of the summer, both of those really Leclerc should have won. Again, France leading, made a mistake, spun out, that was it. And in Hungary, we all saw that big, big time mistake by Ferrari fitting in with hards. That obviously backfired so, so badly. And then, um, yeah, then we come to Spa and it's just Red Bull domination. There's nothing Ferrari can do to get close. And even though over one lap, they do seem to have the pace. The big weakness of the Ferrari, I think we've seen, has been the tyre degradation. They just can't seem to get the stints to run as long as the Red Bulls, so to be as comfortable on the tyre and as consistent as what Red Bull can do with the RB18. So I think that's something Ferrari really does need to work on. And I think the other thing is that the car just seems too draggy. Red Bull have got this really good setup with their car where, yeah, they can whack on loads of downforce, but yeah, they still don't have as much drag, it would seem, as what Ferrari and Mercedes do, even when they're maybe trimming it out a little bit. So it really does seem like I think Ferrari do have to maybe look at the car concept, know that they're on the right track, definitely, but Red Bull has got some elements that I think you really do, and I think all teams are in the same boat, have to look at and say, right, how can we best replicate that? Because that does seem to be the best way to get about these 2022 regulations. 
the good news for I think all teams is going into next season the stability in the regulations means that you can maybe look at these final four races as being more of a yeah sort of a period to refine and look at what you're doing and not think right we need to tear up the uh, sort of the the um, rule book completely and completely change what we're doing that we can try and refine it a little bit but they've got to get on top of that tire deck because there were pictures going around after Suzuka even on the intermediates, the difference between Leclerc's tyres and Verstappen's tyres after doing exactly the same stint length. Leclerc's were bald, they looked like slicks almost in some places, and Verstappen's looked like they'd barely done a lap. It was quite crazy. So, yeah, I think Fry definitely got to look at <laughs> Red Bull strengths and think, yeah, this is what we've got to try and try and achieve moving forward. Going into the new era of less aero on top of the car and more downforce generated from un- what the bits we can't see as fans, we saw particularly, I think, Ferrari... Uh, there's two new terms that we've all been using this year is bouncing and porpoising and apparently they're different I'm still trying to understand fully uh, but we saw that a lot from the Ferraris and 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 we saw uh, the drivers struggling but when I asked you about this earlier in the year and you said oh, look it is very complex but both Ferrari and Mercedes really suffering with the cars bouncing around and yet Mercedes still even after a big update in Spain don't seem to have found a sweet spot with their development Ferrari seem to have been able to either develop around it or drive around it. What's been, and then Red Bull, don't, we don't seem to have been talking about that with Red Bull. So specifically, how Ferrari coped with that this year? Yeah, they've 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 done well. They have like they've they we saw in testing. I think it was Leclerc's car where we saw his head bouncing so much, and that was the really the moment where everyone went, "Oh, this this is a new thing. What is it?" And then we all learned what porpoising was. And I think that it's yeah, it's one of those things that Ferrari did get on top of and they could kind of say look we are porpoising but the car's still quick like we're able to manage it we're able to get it under control and they didn't see the drivers sort of having these same issues that the likes of the Mercedes drivers Lewis Hamilton and George Russell were having so I think it's one of those evolutionary things whereas the season's gone on all teams have got on top of it a bit more Ferrari are no different I think with Mercedes they quickly found that there was a deeper issue really just than the porpoising that once they solved the porpoising they thought right we're set now and that wasn't the case at all there was a baked in issue is how they've described it on their car that meant they couldn't get close to what Ferrari and Red Bull were doing week in week out but Ferrari yeah I think they've they've managed to understand that well they've got on top of it very very quickly and I think the big thing for them is really just this development race against Red Bull that they've not been able to sustain it in the same way through the season they've not been able to make this big step forward that we saw from Red Bull after the summer break and I think that's really yeah just sort of raised a lot of question marks about what are Ferrari sort of going to do over these final four races? How can they try and sort of make a step forward, get themselves back in position for 2023 to try and go again? Because right now it really does feel like this has been a big opportunity that slipped through their fingers this season. And that's what it feels like with the development race through the year. Now, Luke, hold on there for a second. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about how Ferrari were beaten this year by a team that the FIA say blew the budget and overspent on their F1 programme last year in 2021. How much of Ferrari's failure is down to not a level playing field. And we'll talk about whether Ferrari have all the right people in place to win a championship again from the drivers to the managers. Stick around back soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, welcome back to the podcast now. Um, Luke, let's talk a little bit about the development through the season and how teams do develop their cars because, you know, going back not so long ago and Ferrari with unlimited testing would be pounding around their Maranello circuit at uh, Fiorano, either with the test drivers or even even their main drivers, uh, Schumacher and his various number two drivers over the years. But, you know, in all seriousness, uh, they had an opportunity to develop the parts, put them on a car, go around the track for real, whereas now we're looking at sims, we're looking at CFD, we're looking at wind tunnels. How has that development race between Red Bull and Ferrari gone through the season? For Ferrari, they they spent a lot on this year. They did do a lot of work to get everything in place for this season. They designed a new state-of-the-art simulator that came online towards the end of last year and was really in full swing for this season. And everything I've heard about that suggests it's a fantastic facility. So things like that help it sort of like take a step back forward from where it was a couple of years ago, for example. So things like that, you can see where they are clearly making efforts to try and make this progress and, and make these gains. And I, I think you're right. We can't talk about this subject without talking about the big question mark, which is about the, the cost cap. Like what has happened there? Rebels overspend. How much is it? How did it impact this championship? How did it impact last year's championship as well? And where does that all fit in? And I think that Ferrari has always been quite clear in its belief about that any sanctions, any breach of the cost cap does need to be dealt with very, very severely. And Mattia Bonotto, he said on on the Sunday after the Suzuka, I, I asked him, I said, well, you're going to get the results tomorrow. What are you expecting? And he said, we need clarity and transparency from the FIA. We need to know what their conversations are with Red Bull, how that is all dealt with. So it's definitely a question Ferrari will have. And I think that although that cost cap ruling does relate to 21 there are also going to be questions saying, well, if Red Bull overspent last year, despite believing they were within the rules, have they done the same again for 22? Like what's going on there? And it's something that obviously we'll need to put to Christian Horner and co this weekend when we go to Austin. But for Ferrari, yeah, I think they'll be looking at the budget cap and saying, okay, well, can we get closer to the upper limit? Obviously without going over, but what can we do to try and maybe eke out that little bit extra performance? But Ferrari, they did seem to make good steps forward with their car. Like they definitely sort of were able to keep the likes of Mercedes and co at an arm's length but it just seemed that Red Bull just managed to refine that package so so well get a lot more out of it the tyre deg has not been an issue for Red Bull it really has hurt Ferrari and uh, yeah on top of all of it as you said the operational stuff that Ferrari have just seemed to make too many errors this season compared to the other teams let's talk about a couple of things next the drivers and the the team managers we'll start with the drivers what role have the drivers played this year in Ferrari's inability to capitalise on their early uh, successes and ultimately their defeat to Red Bull? In Charles Leclerc's case, yeah, there are a couple of times when you go, that was that was really on him. And Paul Ricard, that is the big one, spinning out while leading the French Grand Prix. That was such a huge mistake. He took full blame for it. 
And interestingly, Max Verstappen said after winning the title, that was the moment when he went, yeah, I've got this. I'm going to win the world championship. And I think that's really, really telling. It was that moment where it just all seemed to get to Leclerc, the pressure. He made a mistake. We saw his anger. Autosport ran a big cover saying game over. And I think that was just a, a really powerful cover, maybe the most powerful we've done this season. And I think it really did some things up. And I think for Leclerc, yeah, the car has not always been reliable. Yet yeah, We saw that in Spain. We saw that in Baku. And we saw Strachey miscues in, in Hungary. That obviously cost him very, very dearly. But also on the clerk side as well, yeah, there have been some errors that really shouldn't have been made. Yeah, you look at Paul Ricard. I mean, that's the kind of thing that was pretty basic. You look at Imola, again, another spin as well. Carlos Sainz, obviously he's been, I think, a very good driver for Ferrari this season he's done a really good job not quite on the clerk's level but has two pole positions to his name got that win at Silverstone that I think was well deserved and very well taken but again there are just sort of these little errors creeping in here and there and you just sort of say look they've got to be able to try and like get these under control and make sure they don't happen because you look at what Verstappen's doing in particular at Red Bull and it's just faultless like it's very rare for him to make a big mistake or a big error that's really costing him dearly with the Ferrari guys though yeah you just sort of you question that okay when the clerk hits the front of a race can he hold on like when does he have a really sort of comfortable drive to victory we saw that I think in Australia we saw that in Austria as well both races Ferrari was clearly quickest and he took full advantage but there have been other races where it's been a bit more sort of touch and go with Red Bull like France was and he's just not had the pace to be able to um, yeah bring it home and win that race so I think for the drivers they've definitely got to look at what they've done this season take a step back and say right how can we iron out those errors and really sort of sharp them up for uh, next season and then finally, looking at the management, I, you know, I recommend for anyone interested in Formula One and management and culture and things to have a look at Ross Braun's book with Adam Park or Total Competition. I think it's in that book where he tells the anecdote, although I may have, I may be misremembering this. It might be from an interview or something. I think he talks about when uh, Ross Braun arrived at Ferrari um, and what was the dream team of Ross Braun, Michael Schumacher, Rory Byrne, Jean Tot and, and the rest of the team there. Um, how he he did things like take away the newspapers on a Monday morning from all the Italian press that would circulate. You know, they all get handed around the office from desk to desk and it went Ferrari because they were going through a big losing streak and it was self-perpetuating because they'd be, oh, look at what the, the Italian press are saying about us and everyone got fixated on why Ferrari are losing and just one of the ways that he came in and 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 cleared the decks really into a period of domination in the early 2000s when Ferrari were untouchable. Now, you're in the paddock week in, week out. You look at these guys in the whites of their eyes. Do the Ferrari management team have everything in place to win in 2023? The way it works with Matteo Bonotto at the top, with Lauren Mekis as his uh, sort of dependable deputy, it feels like, as the sporting director. I think the two of them together, that's a really strong management team. And I think that Ferrari does seem, I think, more uh, stable, more more open as well than it was, say, perhaps under uh, Maurizio Rivabene or uh, Marco Mattiacci through 2014. And it does feel like this is a team very much that's gone through its sort of like lowest point with 2020 and all those struggles and has really sort of taken a big step up. And I think that the culture they're trying to get at Ferrari, I think it is something that does take time and it's not the work of a moment. And I think that 
we've seen that with many teams with Mercedes, for example. They didn't come back to F1 and start winning straight away. They had to get everything in line. I think the hope for Ferrari was that this would be the season they did that. Ultimately, it's not turned out that way. But I think there's a lot of good lessons they can take from this year and say, right, let's let's sort of build on it for next season and get to a, a higher point. And we see the likes of um, John Elkan, the Ferrari chairman as well. He, he was speaking, I think, over the Italian Grand Prix weekend and saying about all the faith that Ferrari has in Matteo Benotto and what they're doing and that Ferrari, their goal is to get both championships won by 2026, which you may think is quite odd in terms of, well, that's four years from now. Surely Ferrari wants a title sooner. And of course they do, but it kind of shows shows that at the very top of Ferrari, there is this understanding that this isn't going to be a snap your fingers and we're going to win the championship. We're in a very new era of Formula One now with the budget cap. You can't just spend your way out of trouble. You've really got to work hard and all the sort of out, I guess, ancillary stuff and the extras. It's your operational stuff. It's your team morale. It's your pit stops. It's all of that. And I think for Ferrari this year, it's probably been quite an important season in terms of saying, right, we know we can build a quick race car. We know we can build a car that can win races. How do we get the whole package together and turn that into a team that can win a championship and sustain it over the course of the season? I think there's a lot of good lessons they can take from this year. And it's all about how they sort of like learn from them and execute it for next season. Because I think that the closer we get to that 2026 deadline, the more the pressure is going to be on the management of Ferrari to say, well, we want our titles. Where are they? <laughs> well, look, let's think about closer to home. Four races left this season. Not a big rules change going into 2023. Million dollar question to you then. Can Ferrari pick up one or both of the titles next year? They've shown this season that they're, they're, they are back among F1's top table. We know that now. I think that they've got the right facilities. They've got everything in place. They've got the right drivers. They do. Charles Leclerc, I think, absolutely can be F1 world champion. He is in a, a really good he's in a good groove when he really turns it on he can absolutely smash it everyone I've spoken to who's worked with him says he's got that extra something that stands out world champions from your race winners or anything like that but I think the biggest thing for Ferrari is how do you beat that Verstappen and Red Bull juggernaut because they've won two titles now this one is an absolute canter to stop that is going to take a lot of hard work and really really make a big step forward next season and as I said just taking all the lessons from this year all of the bruises all of the defeats how do you sort of learn from it and say right I'm going to come back stronger in 23 so I can win the championship but I, I genuinely do believe and this may date absolutely awfully if they fall apart next season and don't get even close to the championship but I really do think Ferrari can win next year's titles but there's a lot of things they got to work on for next season if they don't learn the lessons from this year though then yeah it's going to be a difficult year indeed well thank you very much you've heard from what luke thinks about ferrari now read well you can on thursday what our grand prix editor alex kalanokis thinks about ferrari's chances he's listed the 10 things that they need to do in order to become a championship winning team once again you can read that in autosport magazine out on thursday hopefully dropping through your letterbox hopefully on thursday if not uh, you're not a subscriber you can pick it up in the shops uh, eh, on the magazine shelves luke thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today we'll be back with you are in Austin for Saturday and Sunday's show. We're looking forward to the run-in now and we will see you on the next Autosport podcast. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.